posting it all week. I figured it was all right. Oh, okay. Kevin Max, he, he can't do it. Michael, take a post it. <laughs> Computer's freaking out. I was thinking, I was thinking the song in my head this morning. I was running, and uh, I thought about posting it, but I was like, "Man, the title is gonna be." <laughs> it's not PC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's weird? When I would hear this song now, I would think like that. That seems kind of passe in like '96, and like, well, apparently it's not. It's still relevant today. Right. Well, yeah. What's the title? Right. Oh, the, the title of that song is called "Colored People." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should be posting that. <laughs> All right. So we are live. And um, yeah, that's what we're talking about is uh, racism in America. And I mean, you kind of can't avoid it and feel a sort of responsibility to say something. Calm, we've been watching the news and Facebook and everything, and uh, you just cannot ignore it and you can't like not comment on it. Um, you'll have to, I don't think necessarily, but we're talking about cultural issues and the gospel and fringe issues and things you might not bring up in the middle of church. And this is one of them. So for sure, we actually planned on talking about it before and then the world exploded with all this. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, for those watching and uh, those listening and not watching, uh, I'm Solomon and I'm here with Julian. What's up? And Abby. Hey guys. All right. And yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, George Floyd and the gospel and the whole racism in America and, and the Christian's response to that, the Christian's perspective to that, uh, at least ours, the biblical perspective of these things. And yeah, so um, we want to talk about and start with the facts of what are we talking about, what happened, um, just the, the, the incident and kind of branch out from there. That's how we're going to how we're going to do it. So the incident is that uh, Derek Chauvin, a white police officer in Minneapolis, uh, put his knee while arresting a man, black man named George Floyd, put his knee on the back of his neck while he was arrested, while he was handcuffed uh, for more than nine minutes and killed him. Um, knew what he was doing. He knew it was, it was hurting him. He's the George Floyd said, I can't breathe. And, uh, you're killing me and people were screaming and he died. Um, so yeah, so that's what happened. And, and that was all caught on film and went viral of course. And, and as it should, and uh, the world responded <laughs> pretty much. And it just kind of highlighted what I think is on everybody's hearts and minds about racism, racism, particularly in America and cops and black people. And just that whole, um, the, the problems between, all those things, the, the issues with that. So is that, would you guys have anything to add as far as just kind of like pinpointing what, what the, the big bang of all this? Yeah. There? And the, the, the important part too, is that it was focused on um, the one cop, uh, I forget his name already, but there was four of them that were holding him down. Like it was, yeah, it was the most unnecessary. Yeah, like he's already yeah. in cuffs. He's already on the floor. And, and just, this was not a, a black man that was, shooting up a place or right. selling drugs to get like he was uh, what the charge was uh a fraudulent dollar bill or a fraudulent I think, I think it was hot check, check. Hot yeah, check. Hot check. So i've heard hot check and i've heard like a bad bill or bad dollar you know uh, fake dollars i don't know either way not death penalty stuff right here. so yeah completely uh 
unnecessary force. Um, I mean, and that's what we're kind of talking about too. Like everybody agrees with that. Like I, I haven't heard anyone say, well, we don't, the, the video didn't show this, you know, whatever. It's like, no, there's no, the video is not grainy. It's not out of focus. It's not behind a car. It, like it, you see it. I mean, it clearly, you yeah. can hear him. Everything is there. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's super clear. Yeah. I think everybody's in agreement that what happened was wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I haven't really seen anybody say it wasn't wrong. Everybody, I feel like in America is pretty much in agreement that what happened was completely wrong. Right. The real, yeah. the real question going forward is not so much, do we agree it was wrong is, but what do we do now? Right. Yeah. Like what's going, what's the next step? That's where, that's where it gets sticky. Yeah. So the next step for a lot of people was to protest and to uh, express their feelings, express their anger uh, of this and, and just kind of speak out and try and make sure these kind of things don't happen again. And so there were protests and many people came out, especially in Minneapolis and stuff. And uh, that's kind of where it started. And then uh, was it that same day of the first protest or were there, were there a few, were there a protest before when uh, looting started? Um, it, things quickly seem to quickly evolve, devolve into chaos of throwing rocks and looting and lighting things on fire and just in complete insanity. Um, was that, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm unclear on the timeline of all that. Of like, was that the same day of the first protest? Like that, that happened or cause there was like, yeah. a, there's a target and then there was a police station and then there was like, so there's several other buildings in Minneapolis. I know that first couple of days, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it was kind of a blur. I'm I'm kind of yeah. trying to remember it all correctly, but I think it was the thing happened, and the next day was protests, and like that night is when it started to get, to get crazy. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not even sure if the media would have told us about normal protests. They might have only started chiming in and us being told about things when things got crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a lot of local news and stuff kind of covering the protests there happening, right. and then once – you know, police cars got started getting burned out and really insanity happened. And then CNN was there and, and everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we so, can all agree yeah. that prote protesting is a hundred percent. All right. And there's right. nothing wrong with protesting. Right. Yeah. We should, we should be able to express ourselves, express our anger, express our feelings, whether that be holding up a sign, chanting, walking, peacefully standing, kneeling, Laying, I mean, I saw protesters all laying down like George Floyd was. That, yeah. that made that made a big statement to me. I think. I mean, and they were all yeah. just laying silent. That that I don't know. Almost actions speak louder than words sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That that's a, that's a question I've kind of had of like, you know, does this accomplish anything? I've never really like protested anything or like done a march or done really anything like that. So it's like, does this affect change? And what you know you want to be heard, you want to act out and stuff. And the, the closest thing I think of, like, as far as what, um, not a, not an issue that affects me necessarily, but something I believe really hundred percent, like strongly it would be the abortion protests and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think about that and it's like, well, that's hundred percent. Like I see that as effective, you know, right. like, uh, apologia has, a lot of stories of babies being saved and people telling them, Hey, I was going to go and I saw you and I stopped and now I have this little baby or whatever, you know, they're constantly holding babies in their arms that were, uh, that someone heard them, someone, you know, just got to them, whatever. And, and yeah, so that's, that, that does 
affect change. So, um, sure, like, yeah, hold a sign. And that's, you know, especially with something like this, to, to just kind of express how you feel for sure. Um, and it's I kind of, we, that's like enshrined yeah. in our fabric as Americans. Like, you're guaranteed the right to peaceful protest. Like, there's nothing nobody should have any objection to any kind of protest for anything. Even if you don't agree with the cause, yeah. right. the action we can all be on board with. Like, yeah, totally do that. That's fine. Where it yeah. got weird was when the looting started. Yeah. And the fires and, and the, the killing. And the, yeah. It, I mean, it broke down so fast. Yeah. 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 Um, it was almost yeah. like someone started a match and just put it in a pile Let of hay. Like, yeah. 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 And that's something we were talking about too. Like, I think it's very clear that, um, especially as more videos and stuff that we've seen kind of come out, that there's a clear distinction between those who are protesting and like want to say George Floyd's name and remember him and, and, and march and protest in honor of him, and those who are anarchists and yeah. just taking advantage of mass crowds. Uh, somewhat chaotic environment that a pro that any protest would come with. The pain. Uh, They're taking advantage of the pain of a super huge yeah. amount of people. Yeah, and I think they've kind of infiltrated that and kind of hijacked the crowd and hijacked the the mass people fervor of, of people and uh, just started throwing rocks and then you know smashing windows and then that just rolled out kind of to target <laughs> to you know everything else and um yeah so that's that's kind of like what, what's going on there, there's it does seem to be a clear distinction like we saw those videos where uh people were black lives matter people were yelling at like what look like antifa people white people spraying black lives matter on a building and they're saying stop it stop it like we don't yeah. we didn't we didn't ask you to do that like they're gonna blame us for that and you know, and like, this doesn't help us. Like, we didn't ask you to do this. Stop it. You know, stop throwing rocks. Stop whatever. Multiple was, videos. Yeah. Yeah. You see, the, you see the one with the, the Antifa guy, like, smashing the, the curb, trying to get rocks, whatever. Oh, and they, yeah. And they, they tackled him, him yeah. and then, like, handed him over to the cops. Good. <laughs> there yeah. was the one, too, of the woman who uh, stopped the car and she gave him the brick and she was like, What are you doing handing oh, this yeah. guys over there? Because like, they are. So, so that's something we want to talk about, too, like Antifa and um, just anarchist sort of crazy far left insane people who are are taking advantage of this and hijacking this and i saw people paying protesters to like go do stuff like hey go over here like handing them money oh like, yeah i saw that one too you see that one? yeah yeah and that's well, totally going even, on even on craigslist there's ads that are like we will we will pay for your bail come and protest cause chaos yeah and that's, it's it's kind of frightening too because i see that trending on instagram like people are putting places you can donate to and they're listing like bail and different funds like that. And it's like, I don't think you understand the people who are protesting are not the ones who are getting arrested yeah. for what the crime that's going on. You're going to bail out the the perpetrators of the crime. They're, yeah. they're the problem. But right. I mean, but think about like, there's there, it's hard because there's so much nuance to this and it's hard to say, like, it's not like the Antifa insane people are where I know they're most usually wear black, but like everybody's got a face mask on. Right. Everybody might have a hoodie on or something. So you can't say like, oh, they're going to have a big uh, anarchy symbol on their forehead. Arrest those people, you know, and <laughs> well, like typically, the people... they're, typically they're not black. That's where I would start. <laughs> yeah. It's the weirdest That's part true. of it all. 
but but some might be or like so, you know so, say someone smashes a window there's a fire and a bunch of people run away and there's cops and it's like right. okay those people running might be protesters that were just five seconds ago protesting peacefully they're trying to get away from a fire and it might be the people who set the fire but the cops can arrest them all because they're running and you know and it's like that that's there's a lot of chaos in there and i see that happening and yeah is i think they're, they're definitely and, and i've kind of heard this from some honest like kind of political commentators that the distinction between the protesters and the rioters the protesters right. and the rioters you know right. like there's that really needs to be clear that that there is a difference between those two things and i sure. think it needs to be made clear that for me personally, I feel like the rioters are only in this for a political game or right. for, yeah, for the purpose of showing up in the government, <laughs> causing chaos. Right. Yeah. And then or the stealing is looting and stuff. Right. Yeah. And then the protesters are there to truly try to just express themselves, make a difference, raise awareness. And I think that they're kind of getting, and I feel sorry for the protesters because a lot of them are trying to do peaceful protesting, but they're getting thrown in with Antifa. You know, people are assuming that everybody is being that way. So yeah. I, I think <clears throat> I think that's yeah. kind of probably hard on the people being peaceful. You well, know what I, I mean? Antifa yeah. is a weird group like that where they've they've just decided that they're the voice of the oppressed. Like they, it's them. They've taken it upon themselves to be this anarchist vigilante group when no one's asking for their help. <laughs> like they're yeah. they're hurting everybody who they claim to be trying to help in whatever way they're trying to do it. Right. And yeah. I mean, it's that kind of, they're anarchists. They just, they hate the system. There's nothing, there's no organization. There's no goal. There's no, like, these are the reforms. No, it's just chaos. Tear it down. And, and you can see that, like, in the, was it in, um, I don't remember if it was in Dallas or Minneapolis, that the um, black store owner and his bar was completely destroyed by oh, yeah. all of the raids. And then there was the 77-year-old, um, he was a retired yes. sergeant, shot yeah. in the chest just trying to protect yeah. something and, and he was black. Yeah. So I mean at this I mean I feel like I feel like I hope I don't know. That'll that your point is made by saying that all they care about is political moves, yeah, trying to take over anarchy. It's not really about black lives matter to them like it is to yeah. the protesters and people trying to truly express themselves and raise awareness. Well and I think people see a difference. I think people are seeing that like um the hypocrisy of some and the distinction between uh, others and saying like, okay, well that, I know that, that that's not the George Floyd protester people are doing it. You know, I think people are seeing that and, and realize like looting a, a, a target is not in support of George Floyd. I mean, even George Floyd's family said, stop, like stop right. with the violence, stop doing this. This is not honor him. This is not, he would not want this, you know? So and it's weird. Cause you hear that from George Floyd's family and then you hear mainstream media say uh you know this is the passion this is just the anger and the you know whatever and it's like what the heck like that like okay then you're disagreeing with george floyd's family like seriously like you're you know disagreeing with a lot of these black lives matter protesters are saying we're not violent we're not protest we're not throwing rocks and we don't want that you know right and i don't know it's just like a lot of speaking for you like i understand that you want to cause riots and, and chaos because America is racist and you're black. You know, it's like, well, no, well, I mean, that's who's the, saying that you're not saying that, you know, don't speak for him. You know, don't we? that's the <laughs> irony of, of anti-racism is that sometimes these over attempts to be anti-racist just make you racist. Like there's this, yeah. I was talking to somebody about it this week and there's this weird, like infantilization of minorities 
in America, especially by like super progressive liberal people where they genuinely feel like if you're a minority, you're helpless. And, and yeah. if they don't do something for you, you're, you're just lost in this world and you can't possibly make it. Like it's, it's so weird that, I mean, they basically make, they, they need you to be less than so that their cause feels validated. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the bigotry of, of lower expectations. Right. Right. We see this with other countries as well. A lot of like impoverished countries and stuff and, you know, atrocities being, um, you know, uh, excused because like, well, you know, when you've suffered as much as these people have, you know, it's like, so they can't make a rational choice between right and wrong. Are you saying right. that they're incapable? You know, like that's what are you trying to say? Like they can't uh, express themselves in any different way. You know, I don't. That seems pretty racist, like that, or or bigoted or prejudiced to say like, well, these people, what else can they do? Like, what are you talking about? They're uh, human beings, like they're free thinking human beings. They can they can vote. They can whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, there there is that like yeah that that definitely is out there. And there was that video, there was that video, and I can't remember, he speaks out a lot, um, I think for the Black Lives uh, Matter, and he was talking like, what are we doing? Like, we need to get up, we need to vote, we need to make a difference. Get in there, get into your government uh, meetings, get into your city yeah. meetings, like get in there. If you want to make a change, get in there and make a change. Start voting how you need to vote. And I yeah. think that was a good point, too, because it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic or whatever. We all probably could do a little bit better about being involved in politics. Mm. And I know that yeah. there are those people that say politics is our controlled, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like if we aren't even making an effort, how do we actually know that to, to be the truth? You know what I mean? You know, most people say they can't name the three branches of government. <laughs> most conspiracy theories of like, you know, oh, the one world and it's all controlled. It's like you can't even who's, you know the who are the senators who are the they don't even know it's like okay how much you get some base level knowledge of things and then you start doing conspiracy theories of of QAnon and like whatever like <laughs> the deep state and, you know, and part, things, of, but. Uh, part of when you talk about getting involved in politics too i think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking politics is just voting for the president but yeah Local politics is like dramatically more important on your everyday life than who's president at whatever given time. Right. Yeah. Especially like I think one with the Corona stuff that was going on, we saw how different states were responding, how important your governor and mayor is to what you're going to be doing. But with yeah. this too, just seeing how different governors and mayors are handling what's going on, you know, how, how we're going to respond to rioting, how we're going to respond to this, like – your local sheriff, your local judge, your local mayor, those are the people who are going to be impacting your life the your most. Person, right. Right. Yeah. We just I, – we, I don't know if we don't think about it or it's just – It's not because Trevor Noah's, Trevor Noah is not talking about your city councilman, <laughs> right? He's talking about the president. He's talking yeah. about whatever prominent national thing. So that's what people know. They know Donald Trump. They know Joe Biden, but they don't know who you know their local district judges are or whatever. So, and like, that's where, that's, what's going to hit you first, you know? Yep. So, and, and, and that's what it is. People don't get, I, I think that's the, like, we talk about woke, like get woke. There, there is a, a huge political uh, legislative uh, illiteracy in, in our, in our country. And I think I'm guilty of that too. Like I can't name everybody in our city council and all our people and stuff. It's like, you know, that, that just needs to be, we need to inform ourselves, but it gets boring and it's like, well, I don't know what this means. And it's all confusing. And I think our 
public school system don't do anything for like civics and you know or uh, government classes or whatever like uh doesn't really help us with that but yeah yeah that definitely uh, needs to step gonna... up. this one this comments from canada this is we need to hold them all accountable uh, i don't know what government politicians? yeah politicians yeah yeah, yeah. and then and, the first comment was Floyd was a troublemaker and people are burning cities over it. And I just kind of wanted to comment on that because I think that that's a big, that's one big reason why everyone's so upset that even if he was the biggest troublemaker, the actions that he received by that cop was not okay. It doesn't the matter if he, was, did not right, if he was the biggest troublemaker ever, he did not receive justice in any way, shape or form. So what his previous life was like, that's why we have the justice system. That's why we have, um, you know, the way that it goes so that way you can innocent until proven guilty he was handcuffed right. he was cuffed like there was no reason for him to have had that right. happen to him you're not you're not held guilty by matter of reputation right like, that's not how it works I mean, what does troublemaker even mean i mean jesus was a troublemaker technically right. you know like what are you talking about you talk about like a criminal and what were his crimes did they deserve being a neck pressed into you and kill you right. I, maybe not you know i'm thinking that's not yeah so I think this was a, this was a good question too. While we're on the subject, is is there a Christian responsibility to be involved in politics biblically? Like, do we have a, a responsibility? Can we? Is there an ought? Like, should we be telling people you need to be involved? You have to be involved. Well, see, you know, there's no such thing as law without God. Then yeah, right. Like, do we need? Do you mean we need? Do we? Do Christians need to be involved in this thing that only makes sense to Christians? Right. Uh, uh, that only makes sense and is only intelligible and only mean anything in a Christian worldview? Yeah, I think so. But same with music and education and family and everything else. Like we need to be involved in everything, including our government, our laws and, and all that for sure. But I mean, when we, and when we talk about the part of it, we have a, uh, we have a small view of Christianity. Like we think of Christianity as like, Oh, well, this is a thing that I do and it affects my life and how I interact yeah. with my, my relatives and my friends, maybe your relatives and friends, maybe it doesn't even affect that. Yeah. But we don't think of it as a thing that has to do with the whole world. Like we think of Christianity right. as a small thing, but not, you know, Christ the redeemer of the world, Christ the king of the world, not just yeah. of your life, but of everything. Right. And, you know, kind of, it gets down to when we were talking about stuff that we saw this week, I saw killer Mike on a, he was on, I think it was on CNN. I could be wrong, but it might've been on uh, MSNBC, but he yeah. was speaking from Georgia and he was giving a speech about everything and, and talking about kind of what you were saying. They need to get together, organize, plan, strategize, vote. If you don't oh, like, uh, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And one of the things he said that really resonated with me was when he was talking about all of this stuff, he said, I'm not surprised that all of these people are out there burning everything to the ground. Cause they don't know what else to do. Yeah. And I was like, in, in, in one sense, that's, absolutely true w without a christian worldview you don't know what to do like what what is right what is justice what what is the response that we should have to this thing right and it, it kind of made me look at it in a different light where before it was before it was anger like i was really mad about everything that was going on and then after that it was kind of more of a despair a little bit like a sadness like this the societal breakdown is a response to society throwing off Christianity, throwing off God saying, mm -hmm. you know, no King, but us essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Very French revolution type of right. thinking. But I mean, it, it, it kind of has been like that too. Cause when you talk about French revolution, that like chaos in the streets, burn it down, pull it up. Like that's what's happening. It's not, yeah. it's not organized. It's not, 
I don't know. There is there is a lot of <laughs> there is a lot of anger under the surface. There is a lot of um, old wounds that have never fully been healed. There is a lot of animosity between people and between races and between authority yeah. and, and whatnot. But the problem for that is that what solves all of that? Yeah. And we keep fumbling in the dark to find an answer in ourselves, and it's just not there. Like, yeah. if, if you look inside to yourself for an answer to the problem, all you're going to find inside yourself is sin. Right. So that's yeah. what's going to pour out. And that's every person. Right. And that's that's something that that, that we, we kind of, like, we, we, when a lot, a lot of people think about these issues, I was talking to my wife about this, like, we, we, it comes with a lot of boxes, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're in this box, and right. you're in that box, and, you know, you're in the cop box. So that means you're a racist, you are going to... Uh, oppress minorities, you're going to use your gun and use your power, you're going to kill people, you're going to be ignorant, you're going to be stupid, whatever. That's the that's, what, that's a cop, right? And it's like, you're a cop, get in the box. You're a cop, get in the box. It's not you're you, it's you're a cop, mm. right? And it's, that's the same level of thinking as a white supremacist racist thinking of a black person. Oh, you're black, get in the box. Get, get in this little box I've made of like, there's no nuance, there's no details right. of like you're you you're not you you're a cop you're not you you're a mexican person you're not right. you you're a black person so like get in your box and in that that people want to do that because i'm not in the box my box is better right like you're right. in the bad box and i'm in the good box and we need some kind of power balance between those and you've been your your box has been in power too long now mine needs to be more in power need to take over or whatever what when in actuality the truth is there's only one box and that's sin for these for these issues and we all have that mm-hmm. and we don't want to think about that because then that puts us in the bad box we're all in the bad place of sin and there's right. you know so that's that puts us all down you know it's kind of an equalizer I guess of that yeah. and we don't want to do that because that means well then I'm not in the good box that means I'm in the bad box with everybody else and there's no no way I don't want that so. Right. Yeah, and, and a that, lot of, the only cure for that is Christ. And a lot of times I've been talking to people, I had a debate the other day, and I was talking, I, I mean, I got hammered on this post, like hammered, like I got, everyone was disagreeing with me. Almost, what else I, is I, new? I don't, I don't think anyone agreed with me. But I was saying like, what we need is the gospel. Like we need changed hearts. And they were like, no, we need change. We need law change. We need repercussions. And I'm like, yes, like we need repercussions. But if you want true change, it's going to come from a changed heart. Those changes aren't going to continue on past the spurt of anger, past the spurt of whatever to change if we don't have changed hearts continually. So I think that they take like, oh, you're telling them they just need the gospel. Like nobody sees the gospel as a true change. Like, mm. you know what I mean? They're just like, oh, like they see the gospel almost as, almost as like, um, I mean, it is a gift. Okay. It is a gift, but they see it as like almost a gift. Like you give it to me and you can just set it to a side instead of like a full transformation, change your heart, turn it inside out, change the person you are, change you to love God, love others. You know what I mean? Like if we really, really want people to stand up for the laws that they want to make a change, to treat others, how we want to be treated, then we literally have to have a changed heart from the stone into flesh. Right. And what you're saying too like when they say, oh, we need changes in laws, we need oversight, we need repercussions, like that's all true. Right. But where, where do you want to get that from? Do you want to get that from our own sinful heart or do you want to get that from God? Right. Yeah. Those are the only two options. And if you want to get it from our own sinful heart, what's well, not going to do anything to fix the situation? It, it may flip the, the power dynamic or whatever you want to call it, but that doesn't solve the problem. Like that doesn't help the situation. The, 
hearts yeah. and minds have to change and law doesn't do that law can you know through force through coercion can make you behave for a little while <laughs> but it doesn't change your internal man it doesn't change who you are right yeah that's what you know um doug wilson talks about raising kids he's saying you know you want to raise kids to love god's standard not to conform to your right. standard you want them to want to please God, not just follow the rules until they turn 18 and can leave you and, you know, do whatever they want. You want them to have that desire and that love to, uh, of, of God's standard, not just bowing and, you know, just like, uh, being crushed and, you know, uh, conforming yeah. to the standard. You want to love the standard and, and want the standard. Yeah. Well, I, part of that is we have a weird view of like the law. Yeah. And I don't mean the law in like the biblical sense, but the law in your country or your land. Like yeah. the whole the whole idea that the apostles taught was the the magistrate is the deacon of God. He's there mm -hmm. to protect the innocent and punish the wicked. But we don't think of them that way because we don't think of God in society as a whole. Right. Like who who's in power is just who's in power. They're not they don't have a responsibility to anybody higher. Yeah. Right? Like they're just the highest power. They're the ones in charge right now. And then when you talk about power, it's like, but if I had the power, I would yeah. do it this way. And it's seen as something to be held on to, not a responsibility to God to now, you know, um, do things his way to show love for neighbor and love for God. It, it doesn't right. turn into that. It turns into, oh, this is a power position and now I'm in charge and it's my authority and I get to say, and part of that's just the human character. Like we want to be God. So that's how we handle things. Yeah. And if you really think about it a lot, something has changed though, because in biblical times, like whether it was um, Joseph in Egypt or Daniel in Babylon, they, in some way, like, obviously they rose up and they didn't, um, especially Daniel, you know, he didn't conform to things that were against God's law, but right. they did respect them enough, even as a pagan kingdom, respect them enough to work their way up to be trusted by the top, right. um, you know, Pharaoh, by uh, Nebuchadnezzar. So it was like this respect of, but it's like they knew, they knew that God was sovereign. They right. knew, they knew a hundred percent that whether they were being led by an Israelite king or a pagan king, that God was in control and whatever they were going through was for their either judgment or their benefit. And they humbly accepted that. Yeah. We, and myself included, that's one of my biggest problems is having a problem with authority. I hate when somebody tells me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a big problem in America today is we hate authority. Mm -hmm. But the flip side to that, and I always bring this up when we're talking about my son, um, the, the command is kind of both ways. Like the and this is just an example of that, but in, in marriage and in parenthood, the command is kind of two ways where in, in marriage, it's wives be submissive to your husbands, but husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. In parenting, it's children obey your parents, but parents provoke not your children to wrath. And I think the problem too is, yes, we have uh, ungodly people living under authority, but we have ungodly authority over people who do tend to flex their muscle because they can. Yeah. Not because it's right, not because like that cop with his, his knee on his neck was doing it because he could. Right. Yeah. There, there was no, you know, just reason for what he was doing. It was, I'm in charge. This is what's going to happen. And it, when you read about what happened too, how they wouldn't let the paramedics assist in any way, they wouldn't let them check for vitals. Like there's no reason for that. There's no yeah. good cause for that. It was just a guy in authority. And there was another, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this one, but it, it happened in Las Vegas. It was a little less talked about. Uh, there was a guy who was an exterminator. I don't remember his name. I'll have to find it and link it later. He was an exterminator uh, staying in a hotel in Vegas, and he had a pellet gun as part of his whole getup. He would use a pellet gun to take care of rats or raccoons or whatever. 
somebody saw in his window and saw that he had that. They got a little spooked and they called the cops to report it. This was when all the you know shootings and everything were going on. Everybody was a little on edge. So the cops show up, bust in the doors, assuming he's an active shooter, not you know clearing the room or checking it. And this guy's terrified because he doesn't know what's going on. There's cops in his room. They have uh, AKs pointed at him. And they're, they're yelling at him to get on his knees, put his face in the ground. He's terrified. There's a video of it. It's really hard to watch. He's just losing it. And uh, the guys, crawl, they're like, crawl towards us. Do not look up. Do not move. He's got nothing on him, right? At this point, he is not a threat in any way. He's crawling towards them, just crying and sobbing. And he's wearing, like, uh, loose athletic shorts, and they start to fall down because he's crawling on the carpet on his knees. He tries to grab them so they don't fall off, and they just unload and just blow his head off. And he's just dead in the hotel hallway over nothing. Like nothing he did was illegal. It was not a legal yeah. pellet gun. It's not illegal to anything he did, but he's dead. And that was an issue of authority for the sake of authority. Like nothing yeah. did warranted that kind of response in any way. That, that is a problem. That is hard. I think about that. Like a cop can literally pull you over, pull his gun out, put it on you, anyone. And tell you to get out of the car and get down on the ground. Right. And if you don't, you can shoot at you and use force and like, and it's like, that's that's a problem. Like that <laughs> that's you know like oh mistaken identity. I thought you were a bank robber that I just got. And it's like, well I'm not. Okay. Right. And you're pointing a gun at me. Like uh, that's insane. Like, and that that can happen to anybody. You know, like any person they can just pull over and you got to follow the follow their orders. Get on the ground, put your, you know, they can humiliate you however they want to, and uh, under the uh, suspicion or di di their own discretion at the time right. of what threat level they see uh, happening. And it's like, it's just insane. Like, that's really crazy. And it's like, it's like really easy to be a cop. <laughs> Maybe too easy. It, 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 yeah. it really is. And, you know, I don't know if you guys get pulled over a lot. I get pulled over a lot in my area where I live. Like the cops are kind of. I know, but no. <laughs> we're not going to say why. But if you're watching this, I think you can tell. No, but the cops in my area. Are I like, think we get pulled over a lot. Yeah, and all the time it's for nothing. Like they pull me over, they take my ID, they go, and they come back, and they're like, "All right, we'll just drive home safely." And it's like, "Well, why did you stop me? What yeah. did because you could? Like, what was the late. right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, what was the point?" And well, I then they become these revenue collectors, right? Yes. Like you need like a ticket, right. you need whatever. So any little roll through a stop, like whatever, and it's like. That's a hundred dollars. It's like, and that's, great. I mean, that's why you get speed traps and cops hiding and all And that's, and, uh, you know, disguise yeah, cars. Like, what is this like uh, is crime? Like drive on the streets and make sure people aren't running other people off the road. Sure. We're going to hide. Like, yeah, that's a, there's a lot of weird, like cop <laughs> stuff. That's like, you hide from me and catch me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I hate the, I hate the, uh, the, the camera, the, the stoplight cameras. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it's the like, that's you have to catch me. You have to catch me. You don't <laughs> just like set up a camera and like get my license. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. But I mean, that's that's part of it too is because we know this is a thing. Like there's videos out there of cops talking about quotas that they have to hit. Yeah. Like that's a thing. This is – it's it's gone past the point of in, – in some ways, America was founded on this idea that the government was for the people. And yeah. somewhere in here, we got a switch where it's like, oh, they're in charge. Well, oh. that's what we had 10 people in the country. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not 300 million people. Yeah, like, but that's also when the, president, you... that's when the president didn't have a whole lot of say about what was going on across the continent. 
Yeah, the president had a day job. Right. The <laughs> <laughs> farmer. The president took the train without any assistance. Yeah, come in with everybody else to vote on something. You know, my, favorite, my favorite story about that is when Andrew Jackson took the train by himself because he didn't have bodyguards. Because why would he? He's just the president. <laughs> and some guy was going to assassinate him. And he pulled out his gun right there on the train tracks and he shoots and it doesn't go off. It misfires. So then he pulls out his second pistol and that one misfires. So at this point, Andrew Jackson beats him savagely with his cane. Cause like, what else are you going to do at that point? (laughs) The president just beats him on on the train. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, did he murder somebody? He for sure shot somebody in a duel. (laughs) That definitely happened. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. But I mean, there is this like weird like we're afraid of police yeah yeah and even uh my my brother-in-law is a state trooper and he's been sent to some of the riots and stuff and my sister-in-law was telling me that one of the cop cars behind him got spray painted and they spray painted all cops are bad and to me i mean that's almost sorry and to me that's (laughs) almost doing exactly what they're trying to tell not to do it's the boxes Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's, it's really like crazy. you don't want to be put in a box, but you're gonna put everybody else in a box, you know. Right. And it's like, what? Well, that's but but now we have we do have this sort of identity situation, identity politics, where it is like you're not Julian, you're a Mexican guy, right? You're, you're a Hispanic guy. So when you speak or when you do something or anything you do is as you speak for the Hispanic community. Right. Right. And it's like, well, that's a responsibility I don't well, not want. Even, you know? not like, even just that. Not even you speak for them like these are your talking points. This is what we agreed you're supposed mm-hmm. to think based on what you look like. Yeah. Which is so weird. It's so racist like whole, in that like, way. <laughs> OJ said, I'm not black. I'm OJ. <laughs> when people were talking about that of like, <laughs> use your platform and for black rising. And he's like, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Like what? <laughs> but that's how I thought. It was like, look, I'm just a dude that does, you know. Well, at that time, he was a great football player and actor and stuff. But and he killed all those people. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like, it's like, okay, was that a black guy that killed uh, his wife and everything, or was that O.J. Simpson? I would say right. it's O.J. Simpson. You know what I mean? I'm not like, how racist would it be to say, oh, well, there goes a black guy killed his wife? Right. No, that was O.J. Simpson that killed his wife. You know what I mean? And but if you put them in a box, then it's become this mental thing where you associate everybody who looks like them or wears the badge like them or whatever in this box. And it's like the low it's the it's the low low level of thinking. So low then, level, no no nuance, no detail, no uh, circumstances or anything. It's just you're black, then you're doing this. You're a cop, you're doing this. They're but different, that's, but it's the same low level, I think, of thinking about that, but putting people in boxes. The problem is that it, it's such a powerful mechanism for the people who want to restructure the system in their own image because it lets you define what those boxes are. That's what makes it weird is like a lot of my friends who are white who I see on social media are just like walking on eggshells right now because the narrative is if you're white, you're bad, and that's just how it is, and you got to prove that you're not. <laughs> and if you're if you're a minority, you are good. And you're part of the right group. And it's just, yeah, it, it's a really powerful way to just dismiss outright any argument you may have. Cause like, oh, well, you're white. You're part of the system. Of course, you think this, that, and the other because you've been benefited by this forever. And yeah. you're just, just writing people off wholesale. Right. White privilege. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I don't want to get weird, but I, if we, all three of us on the screen, if we put our lives side by side, I think mine would be the most privileged and I'm the darkest one here. 
if we, like, we wanted to be real about it, I grew up with the most privilege, I think, of the three of us. And I'm the, you know, I'm the most ethnic. So this whole, I don't know, it's just, it, it's, it's yeah. been really insulting to me on that level because I t- typically don't think of myself as a Mexican person or Hispanic person. Like I'm a, I'm a person. Yeah. And I, I like to think that all of my friends are the same way. We don't think of ourselves as these subcategories. We think of ourselves as just people who are friends with other people. But it, it's really weird to see everybody now have to think in that kind of mindset. Like, oh, you're not just my friend. You're my friend who's this color. And that comes with all of these assumptions Yeah. right at, right at the front. So I can't treat you normal. I have to treat you based on how I think you've suffered through life. Right. Yeah. And even, oh. and even like with what that's done, like – all of this is done in person. Like we went to get a snow cone the other day and we were walking and there was, there was a black man walking away from the snow cone stand. I'm sorry. It's okay. She wants to talk about it too. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's almost like you could feel like the tension from him because he was by himself and it was almost a, a tension that I had never even felt in public before. You know what I mean? Like I usually will smile and wave and talk to people. Like it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color you are, but I could just tell like the way he was looking around, it was almost like he was on edge. And a lot of that I blame on the media. You know, he's thinking right. like every single person is out to get him. Right. And like just even me, he had a super nice truck. I was like, dude, I really like your truck. And he's like, thanks. And it was like just me even speaking to him and saying that he was like, it almost gave me that look like, wow, I didn't even expect you to talk to me. It's like they almost, you know, it's like black people almost feel. And I blame this a lot on the media right now that um, that everybody thinks of them as, you know, lower as a lower class citizen. And that they're when they're around. Uh, anybody that's a different color that they're expecting something negative to happen because of all this going on. But the question is, does that come from white people and other people telling, telling them that saying that or, or some, yeah, or the media or someone else saying, this is what white people think of you. Right. And it's like, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've never had a white person say that to me, but that's the history. And that's what the media says. And that's what other black people have told me. So I, that it's just creating this worldview of I I am lesser than or I have to watch my back or I have to whatever and that and they may have and, and then something happened they get pulled over there it is everything that was built up in the stories and the narrative and the in the media and everything it says and then I get pulled over and the cops a jerk there it is <laughs> proof like that is it that's proof of everything somebody told me about everything with with race relations and racism and everything was gets proved by that one jerk white person whatever you know what i mean so and you you talk about white privilege like that that's something i feel you know, my, my last name is white right so like <laughs> and i'm pretty you know freaking white so it's like okay and i've had people that i work with uh people at heroes say oh well, you don't know you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth and it's like what are you talking about <laughs> like <laughs> i grew up with a hispanic single mom who worked three jobs with my just took care for me and my sister you know what i mean like I, I don't know what you're talking about like oh you had anything handed to you or whatever and it's like okay so and it's so when i hear white privilege that's that's what i did think of but i have had ex- explained to me before of it's like, what do you mean by white privilege? If that's what you mean, then I don't have it, right? right? I don't have that, like, everything was just handed to me. Everything was easy for me, everything, whatever, right? Um, but someone explained it to me this way, too, though. They said, when you walk into a, a convenience store, you don't have – you don't get the dirty looks. You don't get people automatically assuming you're going to steal something. You don't get the the – 
the, the sideways glances, the looks, the thoughts, the, the, the whatever, you know, and it's like, okay, that's true. That, that, that's true. I think predominantly a lot of places I would go, I wouldn't have that thought of me or that kind of sideways glance at me in that way because of how I look. But if I go to a convenience store on the South side or walk down the street on the South side, I'm watching my back. Like that's not like there are there. So again, there's nuance to everything. There's details and nuance to everything. And so in that sort of situation, I would not, I would have zero privilege walking downtown by myself, you know, down certain, certain streets, whereas other minority people would have, wouldn't have to watch their back or would be okay. That's, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, so there's nuance to everything, but I think predominantly that would be the case. And if that's the definition of white privilege, then I would, I, I could agree with that, that I don't have those assumptions being made about me from the outset, just of them looking at me, you know? But I don't like even know, I don't even know if I'd agree with that. And, you know, speaking as a brown person uh, and this comment and Lil Wayne said the same thing. And if Lil Wayne says it, it has to be true. Uh, he, he did an interview Killer on Mike. Killer Mike and Lil Wayne. The voices of a reason. I'm just waiting for Kanye to come out and say something. Oh, jeez. Uh, you see he put his YouTube thing is all white? No, I didn't. Oh, a blackout. Kanye. Uh, he did a whiteout he's, on his he's, YouTube profile. He can't help it. Even after Jesus, he can't he help just, it. Wait, what's everybody doing? I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> But, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, when someone says white privilege is you walk down the street and you don't have to blah, blah, blah. It's like I never assume that's happening to me. Well, some streets, yeah, but other streets I do. Like, Yeah, uh, you but know. I mean, well, yeah, even that. Like how, when I walk into a convenience store, it, it's really weird to walk into a place and just assume that the person behind the counter thinks you're going to rob them because of what you look like. Like yeah. that's such a weird self-victimization. And, and that's yeah. – that, but I think, but I think that that video that I sent y'all earlier, and the and the guy was talking, and he was saying like the reason why so many people think badly of us is because of the crime and the things that we do to each other. Mm-hmm. Like the the black on black crime is outrageous, and I think that the foundation of that really needs to be brought to light is about that. What what did you say, Julian? Like seventy five percent. Seventy five percent of, of black people have no father. father. Right, raised without a father. And, and I think that that is a big thing that goes on, that goes on talked about too. And that's what he was saying is like, do black lives really matter to you guys? Cause if they right. do, then why aren't we starting with our own communities? Like, why is this guy saying you're wearing that color? So I'm going to shoot you instead of saying, no, like we are the same color. And I think that's a big thing too. And I, and I'm not saying that we all need to, you know, be racist because of how they are to each other. But what I am saying is that like, th- that's a, that's a really good point. Like we need to start with, realizing that there is problems not only in in the black community but the whole world is in not having fathers the way that god intended right and, and that i mean so many problems throughout every race that and there is. Part, of, part of that is when we talk about fatherhood in general because like we got to be real in modern society the family is not something that's celebrated right like right. unless it's a family that's made up of two dads or two moms we're not on board with it family right. is just not celebrated Children are not, you know, you're not encouraged to have kids. If you have kids, it's a problem. You got to get rid of them. I was looking it up today before we got on. Uh, In in the black community, they're five times more likely to have an abortion than the white community. Yeah, I think it's almost 2,000 black black. And part part of that is targeted. As as much as Planned Parenthood wants to pretend like they're they're for minorities and they help people, like there is an intentional, uh, an an intention in in Planned Parenthood to put their buildings around minority neighborhoods because their founder, yeah, 
their founder was a, a rabid racist and a huge eugenicist. And her whole goal was to wipe out minorities. Like she, yeah. she bought into that whole idea that minorities are less than that they're human weeds. And now Planned Parenthood just doesn't talk about that. And they're, they're for the people, but they're not like, that's, that's the real threat to minority communities is this, this secularism, this uh, fatherlessness, this government support that makes it unnecessary to have a father in the picture. Cause why would you need a man? We'll take care of you. Right. You know? Yeah. And, I, you know, I think I was talking about it with you guys. It might have been with someone yeah. else. And, and that, that is, so it, it. there's, you know, if you have, you have no father, you have no God, your government schools are crap. You have no hope. You don't think you can make it because everybody in your community is telling you, you can't make it. What do you get from that? Like, what do you go into the world thinking, but yeah. nihilism, but burn it down, but we don't have a chance. Every yeah. every institution that should give you some kind of hope or support from your family to your church to whatever isn't there. Yeah, Anthony Bradley had a, had a good um, he's a uh, like pastor, Westminster guy, I think, and he uh, had a really good video because I saw this video and I thought, man, what a what a terrible thing! Like this, you know, is this young black man in, in the in the in these protests talking about like. This is what happens. This is what, you know, you know, the people who are supposed to be protecting us aren't protecting us. And we have all these problems, you know, these things. And, and he, he, he keyed in on that. And I think that's important to do when we're hearing these these expressions of anger and, and frustration and stuff. Not to just get angry and be like, oh, well, that's no excuse. You're a criminal. Like, that, like, just hear what they're saying. And that's what Anthony Bradley did. He said, listen to this young man. He's talking about, you know, there's no one here to protect us. There's no one here, and we don't know that kid's family, like, situation, but predominantly, you know, like, the, just, the statistics are there of fatherlessness in the black community saying there's no one to protect us. There's no one to, so you grow up with that, like, sense of vulnerability and uh, protect, you know, there's no one there to protect me. There's no one watching out for me. I got to watch out for myself. I have to get mine. I have to, because no one else is going to do it for me. And that that does create this, that at this attitude of that and and a lot of that does have to do with fatherlessness so let that tell us something of just the situation and that has nothing to do with skin color that's a that's a sin problem of family the disintegration of families you know and you're right yeah the traditional family is like oh well you're pretty backwards if you're not a modern family you know then it's like oh well wow you need to step out of the box or get with the times or whatever you know and yeah that's 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 really true. I, I, forget who, I forget who who said it. It was either Doug Wilson himself or somebody from that Canon Press community. But they were saying how that one of the defining traits, the biblical defining traits, traits of masculinity is radical self-sacrifice. And mm. that's part of the problem why that's not a thing in our culture because self-sacrifice isn't a thing in our culture. Like yeah. you are the highest good. Whatever you desire is what you should have. No, no, Never let yourself be less than for somebody else right like yeah. self-care self-love self-everything and that kind of plays out with riots like that when you talk about like what does stealing have to do with george floyd nothing but the opportunity was there and i wanted it yeah and that's a sin thing like i thought i thought about that too like say someone is there with good intentions and want to express these things and do a protest uh but then st stuff starts happening rocks get thrown windows are smashed there's not a cop inside no one's stopping anybody from doing anything and there's the there's the fever of the crowd and it's just crazy and it's insane and everybody's doing it and then you see someone you know and maybe respect doing it and it's like well why shouldn't i do it like if i grab these pair of shoes right now no one will know or care you know what i mean and i'll probably get ex some excuse made for me on on the media whatever and it's like 
that's a sin thing. That's a sin thing of like, I, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to smash this. I want to steal this. I'm going to whatever, you know, it's like, if I'm here in the opportunity, it, it, it all goes a lot of, a lot of that, like morality and like understanding stuff goes out the window when the opportunity presents itself, you know, so easily, like, so like right there, the opportunity presents itself. What are you going to do? And that's a, you and God thing. <laughs> that's a situation. That's a sin situation. And then people sin and people do it and then might regret it later or whatever, but just, they did it and that's it, you know, but that's all of us. We all face those situations. Right. And I think that can be, that can be, um, really applied to any situation, whether it's racism, whether it's the rioting, whether it's the murdering, whether it's the stealing, whether it's the fires, whatever it is, sin is the issue and the gospel is the only answer. And, and people are like, well, how is that the answer? Jesus Jesus is great and all, but how is he going to help us apply this to our lives? But like, the fact is, like, unless you have changed hearts, you're not going to truly have change in the world. Nobody is going to yeah. care for others as God intends unless they have a changed heart to yeah. care for others that way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the thing of boxes. It's like you're in this box. I'm you're in the bad box. I'm the good. But we're all in the bad box. We're all in sin, and that's the the thing that we all have and that we all struggle with in in, in whatever way. And that's the only thing. And and. Christ is the cure for that. Is and it's not an option, right? It's not like, oh, he found religion and that worked for him. It's like, no, this is because if you're not fine, if you don't find if if it's not the gospel and if it's not Christ, then it's something that ultimately leads to yourself or to other people, right? And so that gets into like we're either worshiping God or we're worshiping the created thing. Even if it's ourselves or our family or our neighborhood or our community or our uh social group or whatever it is you're you're ultimately doing it for the greater good and the glorification of that created thing rather than the creator so that's why it does come down to those two things the created thing or the creator either glorifying worshiping and following god or, or glorifying worshiping and ultimately lead to the throne of self or for the humanity or for whatever you know your society whatever it is so uh yeah <laughs> You know, when you talk about that, too, when you talk about how some people will say, well, like, well, Jesus is fine and well, but how does that help with the situation? I don't think we have like a real appreciation for what the situation was in the early church, like in that first group of believers who were getting the epistles in Rome or in Ephesus or wherever. Like we have animosity here, but it's not the same level as somebody who's maybe part of a congregation that also involves a centurion like Imagine being a Palestinian person, a, a, a Jewish person who's sitting in a house with somebody who's part of the occupying army who came into your town, overthrew your government, and now has their boot on your neck. And that's your brother. And you're expected to oh. love them. Like, th- th- I don't think we understand the the actual serious divide that they had going on. And without that, we don't see this like, well, that's fine and good for them, but how does that work here? Like, the, the wounds were deep there, too. The, yeah. the I don't... We haven't gotten more enlightened. The human condition hasn't changed fundamentally. We're still there. Yeah. And- uh, yeah. There's, yeah. We've been the same. It's, it's always been, and again, it's always been sin. It, we've always been on the answer to the, the same answer to the same problem is always the same because it's always been sin. Right. You know, from Adam and Eve, it's been sin. That's the problem. And that's what we're, that's the box we're in. And Christ is the only cure for that still. wasn't it it peter that when they were arresting jesus he took took his sword and took an ear off of one of the soldiers 
vengeance. I mean, he he was saying vengeance, like vengeance is mine. You're not gonna take. You're not gonna take my. You know, you're not gonna take Christ. And Jesus said, "What you live by the sword, you die by the sword." And in that moment, he was absolutely living from the flesh. And that's a good point too, because what we're what the, what the world mistakes for justice is often vengeance, especially with what's going on now. When we, people do say things like, oh, well, what do you expect from people like in this situation that have been oppressed for this long or whatever? But what you're justifying is revenge or what you're justifying is vengeance. That's not justice. And there's a difference. Yeah. But when we define the terms, that's how you end up. And one of the things that's been really disheartening kind of over the, over the past week or so is seeing uh, Christian people kind of – bend the knee to the social justice narrative. Yeah. It's been really because what they do essentially, like you said, that, you know, sin is the, is the problem and Jesus is the answer. But what we do is take the answer that we have and we put it away and we're like, well, let's, let's try your answer because obviously we've offended you and we don't want to look bad. So we'll go with yours. Or Jesus is fine. I'll take him on Sunday mornings, but then after outside of that, how am I going to help? Right. Because well, and that, that's, that, that's the identity issue, right? So we find our identity in all these other things, and we, we ought to find our identity in Christ. And it's like, you know, what the, our Christianity is not just something we do on the weekends, or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be just this thing that revolves around us that makes up me. Like, who is right. Psalm? Oh, I'm a father. I work here, and I like to read, and I'm a Christian. It's like, no, no, no. You're a Christian father. You're a Christian employee. You're a Christian friend. You're a you know that should be informing everything that we do. It's this branch, not this swirling thing around us, around me. Now, all these things make up me: my religion, my culture, my family, my whatever. It's like no, the Christ should be informing all of those things, and that's how we have to see it. And it's and it does and it should be Christ for everyone, you know. And that's but I think there's. No man's land in there. It's like, well, that's you. Well, mine is my 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 racial identity or my political party or my whatever it is. You know, right. and it's like it's not. It's gonna fail. And it, and it trickles down to everything. I mean, it kind of makes me think. My my husband, you know, when this all COVID st- stuff started, he had to go work, start working in Lubbock, and he's still going through training, even though two weeks ago they so said he'd be done with training. Really, every time I talk, and um, you know, he no, was. Right. He was super, super frustrated because he may have had to go to Austin. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's having to go to Austin. That's this amount of people that he's around that he can show the love of Christ to that maybe might not have seen it if he hadn't been made to go to Austin. And whether that's he's talking about the gospel, whether that's he's showing the fruit of the spirit, whether that's he's showing patience and kindness, you know, whatever it is. Like we don't look at our lives through the Christian worldview. We just see Jesus as something that's added to it. And part of that is because we do, we, we've adopted the world's worldview. We've adopted the secular worldview. We've adopted there to function because, you know, we, we understand like, oh, well, if I act like a Christian all the time, no one's going to take me seriously. It's going to be weird. They're going to not want to hang out with me. They're going to ostracize me. It's like, yeah, maybe, but that's also the only answer, the only solution. Like, if this thing is real, if this thing has radically changed your life, if this thing has saved you, then yeah, it's going to be different. But that's the thing that you're supposed to be wanting to give them. And that's why it's really, um, really discouraging when we adopt that worldview. Because part of that, you know, part of the no offense worldview, I sent you guys the tweet. I think, I don't know if you saw it, but it was saying you can't be an ally and also believe in evangelism because evangelism is racism. 
Like, yeah, that one, I, I, you sent me that. I was like, I don't understand. I'm not even tracking the sentence. Like, what is it? What are you saying? <laughs> well, the idea is that it's again, it's putting people in boxes. Christianity is the white man's religion. That might be good for you, but that doesn't work for us. We're we're our own group. We're our own people. We don't need your religion. We don't need your colonization. And yeah. on some sense, what they're not rebelling against is the white man's religion. What they're rebelling against is the king, right? Yeah. Like it's the flesh rebelling against the king, Christ. And so it, on one level, it's not that surprising. It's just kind of a creative way to do that, to put it in that box where it's like, well, that's yours. And to put it on me is oppression. Like, well, I, I get it because your flesh doesn't want to submit. But that's the only source of um, – a couple of weeks ago in church, we were two weeks ago. Um, we were talking about the verse where Jesus gives a hard saying, and then a lot of the crowd goes away. And then he turns to the disciples and he says, "Are you going to go also?" And mm. he says, "Who else are we going to go to? You're the one yeah. who has the word of eternal life." Exactly. And, yeah, I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because it does pare it down. I was like, "Well, there's nothing else." Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, else. Where am I going to go? <laughs> this might be hard. This might be weird. This might get us ostracized. This might get us, you know, unfriended. But where else am I going to go? Who else has the words of eternal life? Yeah. And sometimes it, it's like, do we really believe that? Like, I know we do on some level, but if we're not giving that out, if we're not living, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that only he has the words of eternal life? Or do we believe that he has a word that might fit into the system that we can take these pieces to and plug this in and this piece here and plug this in? Yeah. It's it weird like that. Yeah. That's, that. that's something that, that, well, so like when we're talking about identity and that and like our boxes or whatever, it's like I, I remember one time I was talking about how like uh, I think it was like we're talking about socialism. And it's like, well, then these boxes of identity and group group politics and stuff. And it's like, well, you vote with your race. You vote with your homosexuality. You vote with your conservative uh, Trumpism. That's how you vote. Like everything you do stems from this value system that you have. Right. And I was, and I was talking about that. And then someone was like, isn't that what you do with your Christianity? You know? And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> it's true. Well, that's not what I try, what I would say I ought to do. Right. And, but that's true. And, and, and it is, but so then you have to see, well, what are those things leading to? Right. And that's what I was talking about. The creator of the creative thing, like all those other boxes lead to the creative thing. Right, and you're worshiping, glorifying, and living, and finding your identity in those things. And, uh, so that's why it ought to be Christ, you know. And that that I know it sounds like, well, I'm, my way's right, you know. But isn't that what everybody's saying, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like that's what everyone says. Of course. Well, I mean, but the but, problem with that is that it's almost like Christians feel guilty if they assume that we have the truth. Like that's. Yeah. It's offensive to be able to say like, oh, well, this is the correct way. Like, well, maybe that's right for you, and we're. We're very afraid to offend. Like that's the well, highest it, it, Yeah, it, it's like the scale of truth or whatever. It's like, well, that's you, and this is me, and this postmodern relative truth. There is no truth, and it, it, whatever. And it's like, so you think you have the truth, but you shouldn't. You you know, <laughs> and it's like, well, what are you talking about? So you're saying that's a truth statement. Like you have to believe that everybody is right in their own way, or you're wrong. So like, okay, you. Just give me a binary choice there, right? Don't think in binary. You know, I heard uh, Michael right. Shermer say this on Joe Rogan's podcast, and it was the stupidest thing in the world I heard. It's like <laughs> too many people think about all these political issues and things uh, on a on a binary, black and white, left or right, up or down, you know, yes or no. Like it's not, it, you know, and think these things tend to be more on a scale, on a spectrum, 
So, you know, that's really how we ought to, ought to think about these things instead of a binary. I was like, wait a second. We either ought to think of all these things on a spectrum or on a binary, or rather than on a binary. Didn't you just give me a binary choice there? You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? So like yeah, we either you know, <laughs> think it's relative. Along, but... <laughs> so, so we either basically think, it's, we, we can't we, so you shouldn't think there's only two ways. Right. You should think things are on a spectrum. It's like you just gave me two options. Right. But and you're saying yours is right. But yeah, right. So the that's the problem. And the binary. That's that's where it really comes down to. It's not that they want to it's it's the binary is okay as long as they get to define which side is wrong. That's yeah. Important. It's like you 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 have a binary here, and you really should be thinking this one. Yeah, exactly. What are you? <laughs> why? Why? Why that one? What are you talking about? You know, and it's like that's. Uh, I remember there were like a story. Ravi Zacharias did that like with somebody because they're like, you're thinking Western, and that's how this thing is binary, or whatever. And then what you, you know when things are in the East, they're always on a spectrum and relative truth and everything. And, and Ravi Zacharias listened very patiently, very quietly, and said, "Okay, so you're saying I either ought to think this way or I should not think this way, and I ought to think that way." You gave me a binary choice. Like it always comes down to that. And yeah, so. Yeah, again, in the binary, usually in these cases, the binary identity and what we worship and stuff is leading to the created thing or to the creator. And, you know, we know that that's supposed to lead to the creator, to worship God. Right. But I, we don't, I don't want to say we, but, and part of this gets back to the American gospel thing. I don't know if you saw that, but there was an article that came out today that the American gospel on Netflix is like the causing binary. some issues. Yeah, people are like <laughs> triggered hard by it, which, I mean, I guess it's good because that's what's supposed to happen. But it's that American gospel perception that, like, we believe Jesus to an extent. Like, right. we believe what he says to an extent. Uh, we we want to be inclusive. We don't want to offend. We want to get everybody in on this. We want to invite people in and not give them something that might push them away. So we have to kind of check our truth claim and put it aside a little bit to be um, to be opening to other people's truth claim, which is opposition to exactly what you're saying. So you're you're trying to say – I'm going to not offend you to Jesus. But that's the thing they don't want in the first place. Like the more you cater to that, the more you pull back and say, well, I believe Jesus, but I'm going to put it sideways so that I can meet you here. But you're going to end up just there or they're going to stay there. Like uh, this, uh, we were talking about yeah. this a lot this week here at home. And Maggie would ask me things like, okay, well, I, I read this. How does this, I, I can't figure out how this works biblically or i I'm, i want to say this but i can't figure out how it works biblically and i'm like well because it doesn't like that's the problem this these terms and these categories that they're giving you aren't biblical ones and that's why it doesn't make sense from a biblical framework yeah. but to be part of the conversation or to be respected or to be whatever you're expected to abandon that framework and jump into theirs and then you know assume assume theirs is correct and then maybe if you can find a way to take off the parts that are a little too sharp then you can squeeze yours in as long as it doesn't offend anybody, then it can fit inside. Jesus right. is allowed to play in the sand in the sandbox as long as he doesn't knock over anybody else's castle. Mm, yeah. yeah. As opposed to you know the there's no sand without Jesus. Right. <laughs> exactly. He he gave you the sandbox and you're telling him he can't play in it. That's the kind yeah. of you know it's yeah it's maddening and that's part of the the mixed emotions I've had this week over it is that it's it's obvious to us what the world needs but we're not willing to give it to them 
Yeah. We yeah, wanna... and we don't think that it's useful. We don't we right. don't really believe that the gospel is the only means to change hearts. Right. We don't. So in this in this in this specific situation as far as race, because we're talking about racism and the what what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about different cultures and different races and things? Um so what, you know, we, 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 the first one I think of, like when, like when this, we kind of talk about this of like the gospel unifying everyone in that, that people should find unity and community and oneness in Christ um, is Revelation 7. So Revelation 7, 9 and 10 says, after this, I looked, and this is John's um, vision, you know, it says, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count for from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. So that, you know, a great multitude uh, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. So that's, it's just, we are all, uh, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, kind of thing, you know. And, and again, like if our, our sin problem has been dealt with, our humanity sin problem has been dealt with, then uh, we are children of God. And that's a, we're all in the family. And that's on top of just being humans, which if we believe the Bible. We're all from Adam and Eve. We all can trace our genetics and lineage to the same two parents, right? I don't think they were white or whatever. <laughs> I don't think they... I don't know what their race was or what they look like, but um, we all come from the same parents. So that, that first of all makes us all biologically connected in that way. And if our sin problem has been dealt with by Christ, then we are children of God. So it's like a double, especially in Christ with the gospel, the good news, Christ saves us from our sin, uh, kind of that double layer of unity between with Christians mm. in Christ. It's like we're all in Adam, but if we want change, we all have to strive to be in Christ. Right. And that's kind of to Galatians 3. That's like, to me, this is kind of like the the slam dunk on racism or viewing. And it, it gets weird because there is, even in Christianity, there's like these divides of like, well, the black church or the white church or the yeah. southern church and not, you know, the, the universal church, the body of Christ. Uh, but in Galatians, in Galatians 3, starting in, let's see, 26, for in Christ Jesus, you were all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So just like the heaviness in that, that if you're baptized in Christ, you've put on Christ. Like you were saying, your identity is either in Adam or in Christ. That's right. it. And that, and that was crazy for the time too, because there was cl the class system of like, mm. of just abolished. Like there's free and slave. What are you talking right. about? There's neither free nor slave. You are free or you're a slave. That's the way the world has worked until then, you know? And it's like, no, none of that means anything. You're, you're a child of God. Like, and we even, I mean, we even see that play out. Love. We see that play out in the Bible when you look at the letter to Philemon. Like, it, it's a, a case study of a slave master dynamic yeah. who, are both, who are both Christians. And, yeah. you know, Paul telling him, like, whatever he's done wrong, one, credit it to me, but two, treat him as a brother now because he's not that what he was before. Right. Yeah. Which that's, yeah. I mean, that's truly radical. If, if there's one, 
crazy one maybe above everything else crazy radical idea that christianity gave to the world that the world has to hold its debt to christianity even if they don't want to bend the knee to christ it's that idea of the leveling of people as far as class yeah like that idea of there's there's no more you're better than me or i'm better than you we're unified and that we all need to be saved and if we are saved then we're all one in christ right and, and even that first like one in humanity of like we you know we don't believe that that uh we're evolved societies of bacteria we believe right. we're created in the image of god right and so with that comes a certain level of inherent value and rights and that's where a lot of the social justice situation political issues come from is our rights do you have rights or are they given to you mm. right because rights that are given can be taken away right and that's what i think a lot of this thinking comes from is like well, we demand the right to healthcare. We demand the right to so, well, you either have it or you don't. Like, what are you talking about? You have a right to life. You have a right, you know, and that's that's something that that these rights are given by God, and we in our, our government, our our po political structures are supposed to protect those rights, not to give you new rights or take rights away. You know, that's a totalitarian situation. You know, but right. but just being image bearers of God, all human beings gives us a certain uh, level of uh, dignity and value in everyone. So yeah. that's an equalizer right there before we were children of God. And then we become children of God and have that unity in Christ. Then the sin problem that we had before that all those image bearers had is taken care of. And now we are children of God. So, so I want to, I want to say something building off of that. I want to answer this comment because it's interesting. Um, when you get to image, when you talk about image bearers, that's something that's really lacking from all of this too. Cause Part of the, the tragedy of what happened with George Floyd is that an image bearer of God was killed. Yeah. A secondary tragedy that I don't think we think about as much is that he was killed by a fellow image bearer of God. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, th that's not to say that he doesn't have to face justice. Like justice has to be served. That's that's how it works. He has to pay for what he did. But that's also tragic. Right. Like there, there's a there's a ultimately the tragedy is a tragedy of sin and fallenness. But that's not the the narrative that's being played out right now because we don't society as as a whole doesn't have the idea of image bearers of God. It's we are just highly evolved clusters of cells. We're just you know slightly intelligent apes that yeah, and we don't have that intrinsic value to us. So we just see it, that's how we turn on each other. That's like well this this cluster of cells is more closely related to me than that one. We have more in common. So this is my group. This is my tribe. This is how we get together. The other we're one, all, that's yeah, as Carl Sagan said, we're stardust. We're stuck right. on the stars. It's like, but you don't get angry and morally indignant when a meteor hits another meteor. It's all stardust, right? But you do get indignant when stardust in the shape of humans rapes and kills each other, collides with other humans, right? right. So it's like, well, what were stardust? I thought it didn't matter, you know? And so where, where's this line of value of this stardust material starts to mean anything? <laughs> You so, know, so this one's a little there. a little off but interesting yeah sorry. <laughs> so how can all religions come together if each religion has their own belief that differ from each other they can't right <laughs> that's a, a very good question with a very simple answer they cannot yeah all religions can't come together like that's just true we believe different things we're talking about worldviews here and in these worldviews directly contradict each other worship the created thing worship the creator okay we can't do the, both those things at the same time so if you have a worldview that says self over whatever or humanity over anything uh then I, I, that's not you know 
we're just right. at odds there. So I'm, we're not gonna we're just not gonna agree. Even when we, we talk about religions, I think there's this we have to understand that anything that's not worshiping the creator is idolatry, and that includes every other religion that's not worshiping the creator as he's revealed himself. Yeah, false gods. Right. So yourself is a false god as well. Right. Like that's right. Yeah. That's the. I mean, everything. And oh, we just lost her. Uh, oh, the baby. The baby. Like locked <laughs> out. Island. But uh, I mean, that's we. That, that question. Yeah, the question's kind of loaded. It's like, well, how do all religions unite? Well, they don't. The only way that yeah. people unite is under Christ, because Christ is the King. Everything else is just idolatry. We're and all that's not affairs, and right. so like there is that of like, I'm not gonna kill someone because they're Muslim right. because that because they have a different religion than me, or I'm not gonna uh, discriminate or disrespect or intentionally offend and just like belittle or or act immorally towards a, a Muslim or a Mormon or anybody or an atheist or whatever because they are image bearers of god and with right. that deserve a certain amount of dignity and respect mm -hmm. right so there there is that we disagree we're going to you know but as far as the truth but yeah that level of of being we're all image bearers of god and that that's not given to you that's just what we have it's how we're created and part of that i think that's the when, when we talk about the gospel when we talk about you know, other religions and Christianity can't mesh because they're just diametrically opposed to each other. And really, the unity of mankind can only be achieved under Christ. Like that, that can I can understand how that can sound offensive. Like I have to throw off my culture and my religion for this. Yes, <laughs> but the reason that we believe that is because, like we were saying earlier, He's the only one who has the words to bring eternal life. Like we're not asking you to throw off your religion and your your uh, culture or heritage or whatever you may see it as, just for the sake of appeasement or blending in or uh, mm. you know, homogeny. It's for eternal life. Like for it's, it's right. Yeah. It's inherently a, a, a out of love. It's a it's a call to <coughs> come join the family of the king, as opposed to be the rebel who stands outside the gates. Right. Like it's an invitation, if anything else. So I, I can understand like the harshness of that. Like, well, Christianity is so bigoted; it thinks it's the only one that's right. Well, realistically, all religions do. And if you don't think your religion is the only right one, you don't really believe your religion. So yeah. I, I don't think that's super offensive. I don't understand why it would be. Yeah. But the, the the gospel is not domination <laughs> because we said so. It's an invitation to eternal life. Like what, what could what could be more loving than that to offer that to somebody? I you know. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, so, so something else too my, with this comprising the parable of the good Samaritan, mm. right? So they're asking him like, what must one do to inherit eternal life? Asked Jesus. He says, what is written in the law? Reply, how, you know, how do you read it? And he answered, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And if you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. And he told him about the, the, Samaritan, you know, the good Samaritan. He said, you know, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he put on the, uh, the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And he gave the innkeeper money, to, you know, telling him, I'll pay for anything he needs and stuff. Um, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So he said, which of these do you think uh, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert 
And the experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So that's the question. Like, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? Right? So that's the big question is, well, who's my neighbor? Love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is your neighbor? Well, that this beaten man that was is from a different culture than you, from a different religion from you, different different uh, point of view from you. So that's who it is. The point you know he showed mercy, and so that that that's the big question. Who do you think was an, uh, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? You know, and that's a big. Who is your neighbor? That's a big one. We need to, we need to as Christians ask ourselves: Who is your neighbor? You know, the one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise. Yep. So I think that's a pretty good ending point. Yeah. I know so, been going. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's kind of where we're, we can all agree that what happened was wrong. Right. It was a tragedy. There needs to be justice for it. And, and, you know, thankfully there is some, all four cops have been uh, arrested and charged. Uh, yeah, that's justice. Justice. Right. If, if, if they let him go. Right. <laughs> that would be an insane, like, right. are you kidding me? That is yeah. insane. That'd be injustice yeah. that needs to be rectified and, and all that. But but justice is being done. They even upped his the murder right. to second yeah. degree. And I've seen a lot of people that you know, raise the degree was was trending because it was third degree murder. And they were like, We need to raise that. It's not enough, you know. I'm like, are we gonna go biblical and say death penalty? Or like you sound a lot like death penalty advocates, which a lot of people I think on the left that are kind of promoting these things would not be in favor of. It's like now you, it's like, that's what true justice is, right? right. Life for life. Like, I believe in the death penalty because I value life, you know? And that's kind of what I think what people are kind of feeling that and like seeing that in this, something so clear, you know, for the situation right. like this, beyond a shot, beyond a reasonable doubt that this man murdered this man. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully we see yeah. that. And, but I think it's important to keep in mind that, in all of that, the, the standard for justice, especially for the Christian, because that's, I mean, uh, this is partially where this is directed. The Christian needs to understand that the standard for justice has to come from God. It can't come from the world. Right. You yeah. can't go to the world and say, tell me how we should accomplish justice, because only God. Because, what, because what they'll say is, I need a flat screen TV from Target. <laughs> a man died. Right. And your answer to that, like, well, I need some kind of restitution. Do you think that's a microwave? or whatever you can carry out in your arms from Target, right. how little do you think of George Floyd's life mm. if that you think is restitution? You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. justice to this bad cop. Is person, you stealing you know, a TV? That's that's going to do it? Like right. that, you you bring his life down to the value mm. of that. If that's, what, if that's your answer, so I deserve a TV because this man died, how little do you think of George Floyd? You know what I mean? Justice to this Derek Chauvin guy uh, uh, for murdering him. That's what can be done, right? And it's and it's, obviously it is being done. And so, hopefully we see more of that justice as far as, you know, for the ones who are in charge, for the authorities, that there's a just standard for them, but also for the people underneath, for the rest of us, that we have a just standard for how we react to these kind of things. Uh, right. Hopefully both. And hopefully unity, because, you know, thinking about this too, I, I saw a lot of posts talking about how some cops will – be part of the neighborhood. We'll hang out with the people in the neighborhood so that they know them, so that they feel no. I don't know any of the cops in my neighborhood. Like I don't know anybody who's going to pull me over. And there, there does kind of need to be that idea that, like, yes, they're cops, but also they're just people. They're like the neighborhood cop and the you right, know. exactly. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's a kind of a cheesy idea, but 
it's true because as much as we're talking about, well, who's your neighbor? Every so is the, so is the cop, right? Yeah. So is the person who's pulling you over. So you know, I don't know. Yeah. The only the only reconciliation that we're going to find in any of this is in Christ. And Christ, I there's that unity in Christ. We're image bearers of God, created in His image, as human beings first, and we're children of God. You know, the gospel. God has saved us from our sins. Christ died for us. We are children of God, and we are. There's unity of all people in Christ, mm. and that yeah, that's that. Christ is the cure for the sin of racism, the sin of prejudice, the, the prejudice, the sin of hatred, the sin of bigotry, the sin of it's all the sin. All of it. And Christ is the cure for sin. Mm. That's right. what it comes down to. Right. Also, sure. check out Christ is the Cure. <laughs> yeah. I think he was talking about this this week, Nick. Yep. Christ, there's a podcast called Christ is the Cure. You should listen to it. <laughs> so <laughs> Nick Campbell. Depending yeah. what happens this week, if anything else crazy goes down, if a city blows up or anything, uh, next week we'll talk about another hot topic issue that I've seen kind of pushed to the side this week because it's Pride Month. So we'll talk yeah, about June. Yeah. June is Pride Month, so we're going to talk about homosexuality, which is a hot topic in the church. Should we embrace it? How should we react to it? What's our response? So that might be the hottest topic yeah. we touch. <laughs> and we also have the podcast that we're going to record that we may do live. Ooh, maybe special not do live. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you want to announce, we we announce that now or no? Yeah, am, I, am, no. I, am I not supposed to talk about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can do it next week. Let's let's take it one week at a time. So with that, <laughs> closing on this. I do need a haircut. Friday. I got an appointment. I got an appointment All Friday. Right. Thanks, everybody, for coming. We'll see you guys next week. Crazy. Bye, guys. <laughs>